Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. I uh, am Keith Pazel. This is my podcast. Uh, we're here. You did it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, really up here up top just to do a little bit of housekeeping. Same old shit. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, for Crocious, because he's old. He, he goes on he goes on those Twitter fucking... He attacks our president on Facebook. But, you know, okay, Boomer, right? Okay, Boomer. I didn't come at him. I'm surprised I didn't come at him with any okay, Boomer in this episode. I should have. I should have asked his opinion on okay, Boomer, because he is one. Um... But it's a good episode. Uh, follow the show uh, through my Twitter and Crocious's Twitter. Uh, it's at Keith Pazel, K-E-I-T-H-P-A-E-S-E-L, on social media. Uh, he is Insecure Comic on Twitter uh, and Adam Crocious on Instagram. We're slowly teaching him how to use Instagram and all that stuff. Yeah, subscribe to the show on uh, iTunes. Google Podcasts or Play, whichever for whichever platform Google throws at you. Hit us up on that. I just fought back a burp. Holy Christ. Holy Jesus. I almost just burped on mic, which is almost better. It almost would be better if I actually burped than to do that like where it sounds like you're either going to vomit all over the person. Never just never hold back a burp. Just fucking own it. Own your shit. What else? YouTube channel. Follow that. Uh, I'm saving up. I'm going to start getting some video going. Uh, we got, we're got we slowly but surely. Session by session. This shit's getting more and more professional. What else? Any soccer stuff? Kind of was a boring soccer week. Arsenal lost to Leicester today. So Leicester moved up to second place. That's pretty good, but they're not going to... I'd say they finished sixth or seventh. Maybe a Europe spot. Uh, Pulisic scored for Chelsea. Tammy Abraham and Christian Pulisic continue to fucking turn it on for Chelsea. Uh, the big match is happening Monday. You got Liverpool versus Manchester City. I think this is your title match. This Whoever wins this uh, probably will end up having the edge in the title race. Uh, if Liverpool wins it, it definitely locks in the title for them. And if Manchester City wins it, I think that uh, it does a long way in maybe flirting with Liverpool fucking bottling it up and giving up the lead. But they got a six-point lead right now. If they get it to nine, it's over. But if they can get it to three, then it's fucking tight. Then Liverpool have to pretty much stay perfect like they did last year. Um what else? No fire news. Uh, this is coming out during the Villa game. Uh, Villa is playing uh, Wolves, which they dusted them off in the cup game, but that's a little deceiving. You know, I think it would be not good if Villa fans went into this game thinking it's a lock because it certainly isn't. Um, you're going to have Wesley up front. Well, that's the, even the, the debate. Do you put Wesley up front? Or do you put Keenan Davis in for him? Who the fuck knows? Um, I got Villa winning. I'm going to say 3-2. I think they're going to give up some early goals. Uh, Grealish is going to be back into the fold. Uh, you got the the best 11s going up against each other, which it wasn't 
in the cup game. They played a, a very debutante side Wolves. Uh, so it should be a good game. Derby, I guess. I think they call it the Black Country Derby. Uh, but it's not. It's it's gonna have to do for a second city derby until either we go down again or Birmingham gets promoted. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's it. I think we're gonna head right into the episode. One thing you need to know going into this is the uh, episode starts with Crocious talking about the movie Jojo Rabbit. Uh, in case you get confused on what we're talking about, we're talking about the movie Jojo Rabbit. Got a good book end of this. Starts with Jojo Rabbit, ends with Jojo Rabbit. Uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Love you guys. Now don't be shy when you get get a little closer with Arid Extra Dry. That was a commercial when I was a kid. Um, but you got to because it's totally like through the kind of imagination of a tank. It captures little kid anxiety really well, like kind of funny little kid anxiety well. It's not a realistic movie, but then there are moments that are like really stark realistic, you know? Uh, And it's just like, it's whatever. I mean, there's just some authentically very sad moments in it too. But also pretty, I mean, it's not like a... Again, I think of dramedy. It's not like a, a, a buckle over laugh, moment, but there are moments you're like, "Oh, this well, is funny. This is good." You know. And obviously, since it's World War II, you know it's not going to end great. Yeah, yeah. For it, these it, people, they yeah, don't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. But but it's about well, what's interesting about yeah, it's kind of more deep. Is you know they go into the whole idea of you know at the, at the last couple years of the war in Berlin, you know, ten and twelve year old boys were fighting in the streets. You know, it was like. I mean, the, the, over like your mom's Jewish type of shit. No, like, no, 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 no. Like, like as the Russians were invading, they had to take up arms and try to fend off the Russians and the Americans and stuff. So, and it was like ten and twelve year old boys, and you know, you're thrusting a ten and twelve year old boy into that type of situation, and so they go into kind of like the training, which is all it's the training they go through to like train the kids to become killers. It's more like like uh, American schoolyard bullies and the way they talk to you. It deals with bullying kind of well. So is Jojo Rabbit like the name of He's the of main it? character. He's He's a, well, th- th- there's just a key moment. Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's a key well, I don't. They weren't Jewish. That sounds like an old Jew. The rabbit family. I'm Jojo Rabbit. What can I say? No, I. Uh, what it is is the main character, he, he takes on a uh, an animal persona per his imaginary friend Hitler. It's a, of being like a, like a kind of a quick, swift rabbit, you know, but uh, he also embarrasses himself really bad during this like, like sort of Hitler youth exercise. And he gets completely mocked by the entire group. So they kind of like deal with groupthink. I, I'm telling you, it, it's it is an interesting, different sensibility that usually I'm not open to that. And I find it too heavy handed. But it was actually kind of I mean, what ends up happening is the imaginary friend Hitler, who's basically telling him how to behave. I mean, that's like the voice of society speaking to you, you know, that's kind of what it represents, you know? So, and anyway, I don't want to go through the plot beyond that, but he just, you know, his mother is not spoiling anything. Excuse me. You're not spoiling anything. I really don't want to, because I think it's actually pretty good. You know, there's some genuine, look at that move. That that is a bizarre sexual, (laughs) all four guys were in it. You a lot see of this? this stuff is sexual. Wh- wh- We're watching AEW Full Gear right now, which is the big the big pay per view for this new company. 
This is like the WWE's new competition. Crucious. Oh, interesting. So where is this at? What, what city are they this in? This is in... Let me check. I, it's got to be some like mid-level second-rate city. That's what I'm guessing. I think it's... Well, I mean, they've really been hitting the... Uh, Louisville. It's in Baltimore. It's in Baltimore. What did I say, Royal man? Farms it's perfect. Arena. It's perfect. What, what 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 arena? Royal Farms Arena. I wonder what that is, man. I mean, it's, it's like who? Like what sporting? Like Baltimore doesn't have a basketball team. The Baltimore, the, the Bullets, who became the Wizards, started in Baltimore. They were the Baltimore Bullets. Wes Unseld won the MVP and the Rookie of the Year in 1969, and then that was also uh, equaled by Kareem two years later, I believe. Uh, but they were the Baltimore Bullets. Who plays? Like, I mean, what stadium? Is there, is there a minor league hockey Probably team? Probably the college or something no, like that. No, not even college, Morgan man. State. I mean, uh, it, it's. I mean, because University of Maryland's right near D.C. I don't, did you say Morgan State? Yeah. Good, yeah. good deep cut there, dude. Good job. They're out there. That's the all-black college out there. I think it is, yeah. Um, 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 but let's I, see. Again, back to it. I would highly recommend I thought it was just a, the script, too. It's like you read it, and it's like this is a – Whatever. It's a so much. So here we go. The, yeah. you, this is how old this arena is. This arena housed the Baltimore Clippers from 62 to 77, the Bullets from 63 to 73, the Baltimore Blades from 74 to 75. Who was that, man? <laughs> like That's a Western hockey team. Western wow. hockey association. Oh, WHL? WHL? Or the, WHA. Or the, oh, WHA. Oh, yeah. Th th that's what. Uh, that's what uh, Gretzky was in the, 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 originally. The, the Edmonton, I believe, the Edmonton Oilers. The the uh, there were four teams when it merged with the NHL that became. Yeah, the Whalers the were Oilers, one of them. The Whalers were one of them. The too, Seals I weren't the San Francisco Seals. No, one? no, that was an expansion back in the late sixties. The right league was now, six teams. The Baltimore Brigade of the AFL of the Arena Football League. Then you have the Lingerie League. The Baltimore Charm played there. <laughs> the Lingerie League. That's hilarious, by the way. That 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 would be. I go to a game. I go to a lingerie. I feel really weird though, and kind of weird and creepy, wouldn't you? Who am I kidding? I'd oh, a hundred percent. But it'd be bizarre. It'd be just a weird experience. It would be different if they were wearing more of a full football uniform. Yeah, but not like just they have bikinis and, and pads. <laughs> bikinis and pads. That's all they're wearing at this thing. Well, you're hoping to like one of them rips off, right? Like, woo! You get a little extra show there. Hey, yeah, a little that's, TNA, that's the idea. You know? You're hoping to see a that, little. That's tip. like part of the the appeal, the charm of it. If you like, will. we were talking about last week. That's the that's the horror movie ness of it. Yeah, like yeah. you watch horror movies for tit, and you go to situations like no one's going to watch competitive <laughs> fucking football. They could sell you that Mar the daughter of Mark Rippon plays. <laughs> Do they have like other daughters in there? Like, well, that's I know Mark Rippon's daughter was a quarterback for a team, and they tried to like sell the league as legitimate because like, wow. it's it's the fucking Mark Rippon. She, she comes from the fucking breed of champions. The the, the Mark Rippon was a third-rate quarterback that had the fortune of playing with one of the greatest football coaches ever and having a legendary offensive line. The offensive line was the identity of the Washington Redskins in the 80s and in the early 90s. It was not their quarterbacks. They did it with three different quarterbacks, Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, and Rippon. I think Rippon was the MVP of the league that year, maybe, in 91. Yeah, he was. He, well, I thought well, they was won in the Super Bowl. I know I that, thought but they won 91 might have been Thurman Thomas. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching that game. I watched that in Chicago before I moved down. With my girlfriend. What, that Super Bowl? Yes, Super Bowl 26. Bills, Redskins? Yeah, that, that, now, was, the that one. was the one where the, they were like, the Bills are going to win. No, pe people knew the, the Redskins were a damn good football team that year. They were 14-2, and two, 
and they lost their two games by like a combined like I don't know six points. The, the Cowboys actually beat them because the Cowboys onside kicked like four times in the game and got got it two or three times because they just couldn't give them the ball because well, they knew they and couldn't in that stop 55 them. Like that's to, how good they were. Well, and in that game where they lost like fifty five to whatever, weren't they in it until like kind of the third quarter? What what the Bills uh, one of those Bills Cowboy Super Bowls like weren't they kind of in it for the whole game and then no at the last no second? no the, the 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 first one was uh they were in it in the first quarter and then they turned the ball over nine times in that game nine times I mean the Cowboy defense was amazing the uh the second one the Bills I think might have been I think they were behind thirteen ten at half and then lost oh, no no I think they might have been ahead thirteen ten. They could have been behind 13, but lost 30 to 13. So, Crocious, this might be something you know. That's the Rock and Roll Express right there, Daddy. So, the to fill people in right now, we're watching All Elite Wrestling, the pay-per-view called Full Gear. You have Santana and Ortiz versus the Young Bucks. And Santana and Ortiz recently beat up the Rock and Roll Express, which is a tag team from Crocious's era. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, Ricky Morton and I think someone else. I actually, I think I remember those names, and I, and I, I, I paid little attention. As you know, I've said many times on this show, I was into wrestling the fall of 1988. At least I, I you witnessed the some, birth of the Ultimate Warrior. At least you didn't do some hack shit. Like as you know, I was into vaginas instead of like I hate when people do that when they're. Just, I was just like, oh, do you like wrestling? And they're like, no, I got laid when I was a kid. Like fuck you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I got a hand job watching wrestling once, so you could fucking. Back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, do you want your sexual experience to be associated with wrestling? You know, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I was getting laid. Now you probably weren't actually, because I, I wonder who really was that much in high school. Some were, some were, some were. Yeah, but, I was but, always weirded out by people who were really, really sexual sex. when they were like sixteen or seventeen. Even well, I, I knew some people who were like fucking. 13, 14. And yeah, I'm just you like, shouldn't be having young. sex that young. Uh, you should have, I mean, should, whatever. You know, it, uh, you know, I think 17 or 18 is when you should start to hump. But I was behind the curve, man. Oh, they I lost us. it when I was 20. They cut us? Well, because I was watching a not up on the up and up stream. Uh-oh. They caught you, man. They caught you. We can't watch wrestling with your with your pirated TV, man. Your generation loves its pirated TV. <laughs> Give me a cable. I'll pay that bill every month. I don't care. Oh no, I have you know? cable. It's fifty dollars to buy that. What, what is what, what's your cable a month? If you don't mean price, sixty, sixty six or something like that. It's pretty good, man. It's not bad. We don't get you know, all them. We don't get movie channels or anything. Yeah, but like, I, I get movie channels, which I, which I kind of like. I actually like it when they make the choice for you. Sometimes is that me being old? I and they have certain things on the retro channel. Like today, what's been making the rounds the past couple weeks on a retro channel, which I love. That's what we watched last week. We watched Halloween. It was on a retro channel, I believe, or maybe it was on Bravo. <laughs> no, it was on Freeform. <laughs> okay, yeah, because retro channel nine sixteen on Showtime. They show like movies that are deemed retro now that are the movies of my youth, which is interesting. What's been making the rounds the past couple weeks, Twilight Zone the movie, which was interesting to watch that because of the dark story behind that. And then also... Oh, because he had the helicopter actually beheaded children. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it was Vic Morrow and two children. Vic Morrow was the... For those who don't remember Vic Morrow, he was the father in the original Bad News Bears, the prick manager of the Yankees, of the good Little League team. Like, he played a prick extremely well. 
Like that was his niche, like the old white prick. And he's in it. He's in the very first. It's four vignettes, you know, and then they, you know, and they I remember them each distinctly because I saw that in the theater because I was a big Twilight Zone fan when I was like 12 and 13 years old. So I saw that. It was just interesting watching it now. It was uh, it was dated. But, you know, something wasn't so bad. I love why I love that. I love like why. And I hadn't seen it probably literally. I had not seen it since 1983 when it came out. So I watched yeah. it a half an hour. And it was just it's anthology, right? Like it's different well, it's, stories. It's four vignettes, you know, um, Ackroyd and, and, and Ackroyd and, and Albert Brooks are in the opening scene. I didn't know that was Albert Brooks. I didn't remember that. And then uh, and then it was like, you know, Vic Morrow's in the first scene, which is he's he goes to a, he's a um, a total bigot. It's great, though, because like, the stuff he says, like, I'm an American. It's things that Trump supporters say, you know, like it's like and he's this totally ornery, awful human being, you know. And he goes into a bar and he starts getting really racist in the bar. And his friends are like, hey, man, you got to keep it down. And there's like a, a group of black guys who are just like, hey, man, your friends got to keep it down. And no, I'm pissed off. And he's just How really does he end bigoted. up in Vietnam with v- well, what it is, children. When he, when he leaves the bar, which I, I swear to God, it, the bar had to be what Ye Rustic Inn was before it became Ye Rustic Inn. It has the same sort of that classic L.A. like strip mall bar that has like weird stone cladding on the outside. And it just, I don't know. The bars out here, are, I like them, but, you know, they're not cheap, so I don't go to them as much. Anyway, so he leaves the bar. He leaves the bar, and he, he ends, he's in Nazi Germany. And, and, and he has to kind of deal with the SS. They think he's a Jew. And then from there, he, he gets t- teleported to a lynching where he's the black guy getting lynched. And then from there, he ends up in Vietnam as a Vietnamese uh, soldier being shot by Americans, which is interesting, you know, that they actually made that choice. You know, like, hey, America was the villain, you know, in, in, the, in the Vietnam War. So, so he plays a Vietnamese, even though he's Vic Morrill, he's still a white man. He's in these three situations where, like, racism is front and center, you know? So God what, damn it, what happens, I'm going to have to buy this. So, so what happens, I understand. So what happens in the first episode is uh, he goes to Vietnam, and, and there's a scene where he's rescuing two Vietnamese children who are, like, eight and nine years old. And he's taking them out of a POW camp that just did not make the final cut. Well, yeah, because so they had to like they had to redo it because he died. Yeah, because and what it was, and, and this is the, the kind of the rough side of the story. Obviously, three people died. Vic Morrow died, and then the two small children died. And what it was is they were on their second. They were behind schedule on shooting, so they were on their second like, a day of back-to-back sixteen-hour shoots which there are pretty strong rules around working with children. Like, you can't go beyond a certain amount of time in a day, at least under the rules back then. Like, I think it was literally like an eight-hour day, and they did back-to-back 16-hour days. You hear what I'm saying, man? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm listening. Yes, it was back-to-back 16-hour days, and um, at the end of the second day, they had a big pyrotechnic scene. Everyone was really tired on the set, too, because they were under the pressure to get it done and stuff. They were filming a lot, so... So uh, there were pyrotechnics on the set where there were, fu- there were flames going up, and they had a helicopter that was only 24 feet above ground. You could and see it, it like on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it went over the, uh, the, the fire, and, and it, it didn't melt the blades, but, it, but it, it, their integrity, they drooped, and the, and, the, and the helicopter totally went on its side, and it just killed those three, well, two of them instantly. And then the third kid got crushed by the, uh, by, by the helicopter. It fell on her, but she died a little later. You know, and so, but but Vic Morrow and I think the guy, the the boy, were just beheaded and killed immediately. Like there was no, it was, yeah. it was over, instant death. So when that happened, 
you know, there were obviously lawsuits that happened, and Landis filmed that. It was all famous directors of that era filmed the. It was like a vignettes. big movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, 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 I mean, it was they. It was a, definitely without a doubt. So, uh, and Landis, like, uh, did he finish the movie, or was that like what was he shaken? No, no. Well, well, yeah, they finished it and they got it done, but then. Uh, there was lawsuits against him by, by the family of the Vietnamese kids. You know, they were like, you know, and they settled out of court. Everyone who testified, here's the dark side of Hollywood, I guess everyone who testified against John Landis, and everyone probably knows the story here, everyone who testified against him who was on the set never worked again. They were, just, they were Well, his son's a smarmy dick like that. You know, like I guess he they that's clearly in the family of like hoarding your power over people. Yeah, is John Landis re- like was American Werewolf in London that the shit? With, with, with what? Because people when they when Max Landis his son got busted for like abusing women and like yeah being like oh he was what he got caught he was like hoarding his well he had like this group of people that he like like some not like Jeffrey Epstein type sexual shit but like basically attaching yourself to these desperate people who want to meet stars and then like taking advantage of them and holding your power over them and trying <laughs> to fuck them and when they don't threatening to ruin their career and shit. Well, and that's I always guess, been and I guess John Landis here, right? has John Landis has actively tried to like pay people off to like shut to up to keep about it hush, hush basically. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And they talk about it like he's this insanely powerful figure. Yeah, but oh, I was just at like one is time, John dude, Landis this is the really truth. that John John Landis was on par with Spielberg at one time. I mean, Spielberg was always bigger than him, but like Landis did some very big movies, you know, and they were good buds. I mean, Spielberg is in the Blues Brothers. You know, he he's a cameo in the Blues Brothers. You know, <laughs> so he and they were all buds, I think, and they kind of came up at the same time. You know, they were the sort of they were the ones. Yeah, but with Landis with Animal House and with American Blues Werewolf Brothers, in London, uh, American Werewolf in London. Uh, those were three pretty big movies, particularly Blues Brothers and Animal House. Those were huge. But he also directed Trading Places, which is still a very good comedy. Has aged, I think, very well. I watched it recently. I was like, this is good. Trading Places is good. Those Trading Places and Coming to America are like my two favorite two, movies. Two of your favorite movies. Oh, yeah, so yeah, and great. Lannis did that. So, I mean, he was all big during the 80s. He did a bunch of stuff. So, I'm sure he had a bunch of cash. And um, there were, I feel like Obviously. it was easier because the way the cost of living was, you could make, they probably made a ton of money and he didn't have to spend a ton of it. So, he probably still has like Coming to Trading Places cash. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's still. By the 80s, I think the contracts got more complex and the money got, you know, whatever. You know, the whole point thing. Who knows? I, I don't know how the finances work out here, but, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting he would do that, but. Yeah, but it's good, though. So that's what happened on the Twilight Zone. It's good, though. That's what happened on the Twilight Zone. Just watching it was interesting. But Lithgow had the best one. It's the final one of the four. where he's the, They do the William Shatner one where there's a creature on the wing of a plane. And, it's, and yeah. Lithgow, I have met John Lithgow one time. I met him, and I want to talk about my story now. I met John oh, Lithgow you got it. at the Philadelphia uh, Ballet. I went to a ballet. I got a good friend whose uh, daughter was a, is a very good ballerina starred in the Nutcracker in the Philadelphia Ballet three years in a row. And, you know, uh, so, and, and Lithgow, I think, is from Philly, and he's a supporter, of course, of the arts. And he was at the, the ballet. You know, it was like a kid's ballet. But honest to God, I, I was like, it was completely entertaining. I mean, you don't see a ballet, and like a, a professionally done ballet, it's like, it looked quite good, you know. And, and I got to go backstage, and John Lithgow was backstage. So I got to meet oh, him. Oh, was he? Yeah, and, and, and it was like, because... 
my friend's daughter is like known in the company. So you went back and hung out with all the ballet. And there was like 40 or 50 people in the room. It was like a little party afterwards. But ballet, you know, that Black Swan, I think that that actually, that movie actually captured some of the weird mental fuck of ballet and just, it, it, it's, a, it's a different culture, man. You know, I mean, having some exposure to it through my friend and, 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 uh, and her daughter, it's just, just hear her talk about it. It's like, you know, there's, it's a very political environment and kind of who was offending who and, and you know, whatever. There's just a whole range of just uh, kind of power plays that go on. There's a lot of stress, a lot of eating disorders, a lot of eating really? disorders in ballet. Absolutely. There's just really kind of this expectation of perfection, I think, you know. Uh, and whatever, it's very physically demanding, too. People don't understand. I mean, these fucking oh, their ballet. Feet are disgusting. Oh, and, and, and they're beat up. I mean, because they're training like for hours every day, you know? So I remember the lead ballerina, I was like, this woman's very beautiful from the stage. When I got up close, she just looked all drawn and tired, you know, her eyes. It's kind of like gymnasts you see in the Olympics, you yeah. know? Yeah. And they train from such an early age. Yeah. And there's it's, such a, like, there's not really a end point to it like you can't really be a professional ballet unless you're with there's probably like two perform two like well, groups you're a, you could be a part of yeah you can make a living in a big city ballet company apps like chicago philly i'm sure new york obviously san francisco i'm sure the ballet company out here is probably pretty big but i don't know how many there are you know i mean I, you know it, it's but i think you can make a living off it but it, it's just a uh it's just an interesting kind of culture and like like people often have like coaches they train with outside of their actual sort of classes and stuff and like who you go with there, you know, and like what you're trying. It's just it just seems very tense to me, you know, but this kid, this kid would go up in front of 3000 people doing the Nutcracker. That's when you go to I've seen the Nutcracker. That's my exposure to ballet. Dude, that's Alicia's like favorite thing, I guess. They're, oh, well, it's we'll, like we'll, a we'll, Christmas tradition in their family. Well, exactly, because it's, 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 it's a the, the ballet is a little girl's dream, you know. The, and that's what Jojo pro. Rabbit Jojo Rabbit had that feel to it where it was it was uh You can tell we have a much better connection now. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that dude with the That's the Rock and Roll Express. They're like seventy years old, dude. <laughs> they just have like jeans on and hats. Well, that's to represent that they're coming in from the crowd. They're like <laughs> spectators. That's right. So it, it, they're it, not it just, even prepared to fight. It, it just gives the crowd the feeling of like I'm even more into it. Or like this wasn't supposed <laughs> was to happen. Was that fucking was that that wasn't who's who's this who's the that's the rock and roll express dude that's Ricky Martin and whoever the, the old Jesus Christ man so it's it's kind of like a retro like this will be something you talk about when you go home like this will be one of the highlight moments when yeah you go the rock, home well the rock and roll express has been on TV to build to this match but yeah this will be like the holy <laughs> they shit they still have a following <laughs> I mean oh they got a following when you talk about bread and circus look at like, that move dude that, that actually was a good move that was he gave him the fucking Canadian sunrise. This little this fucker can dive. Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't do that now, no, and he's God, twenty no. years older than you. Yeah, having had the experience of doing it, you know, like you have, you have the muscle memory. Yeah, that guy literally, literally is an old man, like actually an old man. <laughs> yeah, these guys don't. I mean, oh my God, think of the booze that guy's drank in his life, Keith. Think of the road and, pills. and I mean, and just and pain pills, the fat when women. I, I tell you what, that thirty for thirty of Ric Flair is pretty amazing. I got to admit it. I actually was genuinely entertained by that. His life in the eighties. Who's the guy on the right? 
Left is yeah, is That's Jim Ross. Excalibur. Yeah, He's Jim, a Jim Ross is a legend. Oh yeah. He is a fucking legend. Excalibur is an announcer and I think he ran a wrestling school out here actually in the and he <laughs> opened a a federation called PWG Pro Wrestling Guerrilla and they're actually one of the biggest indie wrestling companies in the country. Just the whole, Oh, we're going to see the women. Well, I liked when the women wrestled. Riho, she's been wrestling for 13 years, but she started when she was 9. <laughs> So she's like 22 and this fucking aged veteran. Yeah, she's totally good looking. Very pretty, I think. And then she's going against Emi Sakura, whose whole gimmick is she's Freddie Mercury. Japanese wrestlers like doing that, where they'll just like, like there's one who is just Marty McFly from Back to the Future. He wears the vest. He's the time splitter. He's <laughs> just a character. His name is the time splitter. Kushida. That's hilarious. They just take on like, I am actually this character. I'm from just a movie. this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Co oh Jericho, well, I Chris tell you what, they got some names. They got a few. even I know these. If I know these names, then they got some names. Yeah. I don't know shit about wrestling. Cody. That's Dusty Rhodes' son. Of course, his name is and Cody. This, the big if your name is well, Cody, his name is Cody Runnels. If your name is life. Cody, you're one of two things. You're either quarterback at the University of Texas, or you're going to be a professional wrestler's kid. That's that's what's going to happen. Cody is such a like I'm in you know Wild Bill Cody I'm in Wyoming and Montana and I'm just I'm working with an axe a lot and cleaning brush and you know you're one of those guys you know or or you're some sort of that Texas pride what's it with like Southern men and their fucking pride they're always talking about their pride in the South you know yeah. my I pride know. I just think they feel like they come from a more sweltering place like it was hot it's dead like I don't know I just think there's <laughs> Well, because also cause they got a personality. Well, and there's a strength in them. I'm other, not dismissing that. It's also because other people shit on places like that so much that when you're from Texas, you have to be like, "Fuck yeah, dude, I'm from Texas." Well, how can you not shit your pride? It's all that. They're all talking about the pride. It's My a, great 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 grandpappy gave his life on the hollowed grounds of Shiloh well, yeah. for the lost cause. Anytime yeah. you you y'all lost. Okay. Sorry. Anytime you hear Southern pride, you're bracing for the N word. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, they don't even have, they've already said it when they say Southern pride. You, you've already heard it, you know, liberal. I tell you what, I had an interesting conversation with the woman I so work we'll with. We'll get into talking about Kentucky swinging blue. Yeah, well, that's true. That's but big. There's a woman I work with that, uh, you know, she's from the Bronx, you know, black woman from the Bronx, New York's very New York, which I, you know, it's, I respect and she was from, I mean, she lived there for like, until she was like 26 or 27, got married, moved to Pittsburgh for seven years. Now she's out here because her husband is uh, working on like Disney studios. <laughs> I think it'd be funny because her husband is dying. No, no, he's doing like Disney studios. And, but she was just like, you know, because I was bitching about Trump late, late in the afternoon yesterday, we were completing this application, been, been a busy week, long week. And, uh, and she was, I got, I got Monday off. It's That's so why nice. we're running late because, uh, I was he he he. I had to work late on Thursday, man. He used the word freakishly, and I'm just like, okay, he must be. Yeah, I mean, whatever. For me, I shouldn't say I'm being melodramatic, but for me, it's like I had to put in several ten-hour days. He likes to get to bed early. You know, I have. You probably could have come at like nine, but yeah. Yeah, but you know, then I, you know, it's like it's you know we're gonna get stony and it's gonna be. I won't get to bed till twelve thirty. It's like I gotta be sharp for my day. You know what I mean? So, so I did it, but she was just saying, you know, something with Trump. She's just like, you know, yeah, of course I don't agree with him, but it's like. The country has always been this way, which I, this is what I've said, too. It's like, for me, it's honestly, it's like, at least I guess it's out in the open. I don't think it's a, a healthy thing. I think it's corrosive and toxic. But, you know, this is what people actually feel, you know. So in that sense, there's got to be something that comes out of this, a reaction to this. Well, that's what I was. A tempering I was even, or a, 
I was even thinking about this because, like, everyone talks about, like, oh, man, it's so politically divided. Who's going to change it? Who's going to unite everybody? I don't think there's ever going to be a time. I think this is it. I think this is political discourse now where you're going to yeah. have hardcore right, hardcore left. And, the, like, the middle <laughs> political class is almost going to be, like, the middle financial class where, like, it's going away. <sighs> You're just going to be tossed aside. You have to either What's be... What's deemed left in this country is so hilarious because it's so, like, weak. It's and not, it is it's not, weird how it the is. right does go after socialism because they make it seem like... They make it seem like when people talk about socialized medicine and healthcare that they want it to be Moscow, Russia in the fucking Oh, 20s. yeah, Venezuela or something, which is just completely not true. But they're going to hit that hard. I forget who it was, but I was listening to someone be like, dude, I have... I have a grandmother from Eastern Europe, and she calls me crying when she hears these politicians talking about socialism because she knows how that system works. Worked. And it's just oh, yeah. like, dude, calm down. I know, yeah. It, it is, they it's, just want do you think it's really going to be medicine. structured that way? Do you think the government is going to... This is a mature, sophisticated, elaborate industry. It's going to be this... You see, this is... And this is the fascist side of it, too. You know, it's the state and the economy have a relationship, you know, so it's got to be figured. You know what I heard today? My, my brother and I were talking about this insurance premiums for a family of four annually in 1993, $500 insurance premiums, 500 bucks, family. of So four. that's how much it costs a month. No, no, no. A year, a year, a year. Holy shit. 500 bucks. It's 20 grand now. It's 20 grand. Well, Listen, what's the inflation rate on that 500? Five. Five hundred bucks two then is like, is like two grand, fifteen hundred now. Yeah. I mean that is an it's exponential, negligible. exponential increase in the cost of it. I mean these companies are gouging people and they're making, they're fucking with business. You know what I mean? It doesn't. Yet they pawn it off with the idea of, hey man, this is how business is done. No, businesses, it's pretty small businesses. Businesses can't form because their insurance is so high. Now that's how they're trying to go after Obamacare. But at the same time, at the same time, if Elizabeth Warren is a candidate, the, the Democrats are destined to lose. They are destined to lose. It, it will. All the, the swing states, the six main swing states, they put out a poll this week. If Warren is the nominee, she only wins one. If Biden's the nominee, he wins all six. You know, everyone hates Joe Biden. I get it. I know he's he the only from, one that could. And I think but, he's the only one that could debate Trump. Well, because he can just sort of like, oh, die. I, I th but at the same time, the dude's like 80. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's old. ancient. He's so old. He, and I mean, a at least be like 72. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just like. And a little racist himself. Well, of course. And it's also, he has, he has no infrastructure. Bernie and, and Elizabeth Warren have a well-organized Obama-like grassroots system. But I'm telling you, if Warren is the candidate, they're going to go out. She cannot be the candidate. What she has to run on is like, I'm going to shore up Obamacare and talk about the positive things of Obamacare, like pre-existing conditions, being able to get insurance now, like having your kids on your insurance until they're 26 years old. That makes for a healthier society, you know? It's just this whole idea that like, you know, no, your freedom is under attack. No, no. They want to gouge you for even more money they've monetized this to such an extent it, it, it doesn't create better health care there's not better results you know if there were better results I, I could believe it yeah there's medical advancement this country has great like tools and like artificial hips and mri like all those gadgets it's the best on the planet because of that system you know but you know tens of millions don't have access to it so okay i guess i guess they die you know so Granted, is it that bad? Well, you know, there's personal choice in some of this. You know, it's that this country's got an obesity issue that's just off the fucking charts. Dude, we were talking about that at the store the other day, which, I, by the way, I got up at the store. 
Oh, good for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool, man. Excellent. Fucking potluck. Uh, did well. Went Excellent. number three, did well. Had two rows of people. So cool. I was lucky because usually when people go up that early, there's literally one no. person. Because they, it's kind of like an initiation type of thing where yeah. they have the early comics go up literally while they're seating the room. Yeah. Like you're like intro music to the, the rest yeah. of the open mic. Because yep. the people are there for the second half of Potluck, which is the real comics. Like that's when Chappelle does four and a half hours. Yeah. Of shit. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So and they clearly say we're the open micers. Like the host will be like, you're here to see the best comics of the world and these assholes. Like there's a real hazy vibe to it. Oh, yeah. And if you can get through that, you could be in. But I think a lot of people are hesitant to like. Well, I mean, th- how kind of upfrontly dickish they are to you. Well, yeah. Place. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that's a uh, and whatever, you know, th- that's a classic tactic, you know, I I mean, I kind of get that. I, I don't disrespect that. I think, you know, it's you're trying to weed some people out, I think. You know, it's definitely trying to be like the uh, the broy room, I think, a little bit, you know? like See, that's my only thing is I understand it if that's how certain people did it, like if that was their real personality and they were just real ball-breaky, but I kind of don't like that when people get hired there, they then take on that persona. Oh, like, oh, interesting. Just because you work at the comedy store doesn't mean you have to act like that. Like, oh, yeah, no, exactly. You don't have to. No, no, yeah. it's, you know. But, you know, you're dealing with show business types. People aren't very assured of themselves, you know. You're, you know, but, yeah, no, that's interesting, though. Interesting story, though, man, like doing that. I mean, so, but I'm glad the set went well. So, I mean, that's good, you know. But we were talking about how, uh, wait, what the fuck was I going to, I'm going to, I got to get it back. I'm not stopping this recording just to call it back. Yeah. What talking about t- about the comedy store. But what was uh, what were we talking about before I brought that hazing, up? Hazing hazing of the comedy store? No, before Oh even yeah, I yeah, you change it to that. Store. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't recall. Uh, we're doing other things this week. Uh hold on, I'm going to stop it. Yeah. Cuz it was it was something good. We were talking about how Obesity is an issue in the country. Well, obviously. no, because yeah. my buddy went to Europe and he said there's like no fat people. When you Europe. go to Europe, it's because really when you go to other countries, it's it takes your breath away. How yeah. he goes the and he goes and the people that are obese, you could tell they're like maligned. Not yeah. even not like in a dangerous way, but like they know they have a problem. Like the, it's treated like a medical problem. Oh in yeah, other yeah, 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 yeah. Because well, it's, I mean, the social cost of it is huge. It's huge. You got 30, what, 40 million people who are diabetic, and then another 40 beyond that that are pre-diabetic? I mean, that is a massive, massive social uh, health issue. Yeah. It's going to be very expensive to deal with. And it's like, but it all ties into this consumerism that you can just buy whatever you want, whenever you want it. Why is that freedom? How is that freedom? You know, you're, you're living a slovenly, it's, it's a tough life. You know, people, whatever, I mean, you used to struggle with weight. I mean, oh, it, yeah, I used to weigh like 300 pounds. But good for you, man. You were able to lose it, you know? I look fucking good now. You know, but but I mean, no, good for you. I didn't you. get laid when I was fat, I'll tell you that much. It hurts in that sense. Like, of course. When women don't want to fuck fat people unless it's like a fetish of theirs. Yeah, I know. yeah, 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 where it's like, again, a woman never gets too desperate to, 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 <laughs> to fuck a fat guy. Guys will do, I mean, of course, Mark I'm that such a fat Mark woman. Grace, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, called it the slump buster. Of course. Whenever he was in a bad slump on the, at the plate, he would fuck the ugliest, fattest girl, and he said that was his slump buster. <laughs> well, dude, I've had many, I'm looking for a slump buster right now, my friend. I mean, I got to do that. I've had many in my past. 
you know, where um, you had to just hit you're here. That was your criteria. Well, yeah. And it was just like, OK, the moment's kind of here. You know what I mean? Like, OK, I sense something. You got to just go for it right away. You know, like, don't let it get away. You know, don't overthink it. Just react, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, that's not satisfying in the long run. You know, it's like, but yeah, Grace, I thought Grace, I think, had some issues with women. Like, it wasn't he like, uh, he had some like sexist past. Like, if he had been, I think of athletes back in that day. Oh, yeah. In, in any those dude, days. Any baseball player that wore eye black, I assume, was racist. <laughs> it's like you're ready. And certainly, like, women were, were not far behind. It looks you know? really militia. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, wearing eye black. The eye black. I remember doing that as a little kid when I was like ten years old, eleven, like playing football outside. Oh yeah, and like I wanted to punt it up in the into the sun so I could Didn't catch Namath it. Wear eye black. Who did Joe Namath? Yeah, wore absolutely. Eye black, oh yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of a badass He's look. A sexual assaulter himself. That guy <laughs> on air was Susie Culber. Right? Didn't he tell her? He oh, wanted well, plus to ba- that. Then, dude, I'm sure before that in the '60s, oh, he was a pussy. Think of, hound. Joe, th- think of Joe Namath in the late '60s in New York City, being the biggest athlete in the biggest city. You know, I mean, he was a player. I love those. I mean, him going to you know he hung out at the Grotto and shit like in in L.A. like in '74. He played for the Rams for one year at the end of his career. Because he was such a star. He was in movies and crap. Oh, he was broken when he played for the Rams. Though. Oh, yeah, he, he could barely. He, he, his last three or four years with the Jets, his knees were just shot. I mean, it's incredible. Well, his knees, when he had bad knees going into his NFL oh, career. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he? he had a severe, because I guess early in his career at Alabama, he was a dual threat quarterback. He was totally Fun athletic. Fact, Chicago Cardinals drafted. Yeah, fucking Namath. They might have even been out of Chicago, but the Cardinals drafted him. Yeah. I, and he didn't want to play for the Cardinals. Yeah, he so was. He, yeah, it was St. Louis. So he went with the Jets. Of course. He's going to play in New York when, City. Well, and that was baller that both leagues could draft one player and he got to choose. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the AFL was run very well, actually. They, they knew what they were doing. You know, they had some smart businessmen and they knew how to get the labor and they had all played like college football, you know. Uh, but that to me, that is why again, I romanticize my youth. Seventies NFL football is actually the best era of professional football because it was it was in the league truly matured because they 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 merged. When did Butkus retire? Excuse me. When did Butkus retire? You're trying to think in '73, actually. His knees were shot too. He didn't talk to the front office for like ten or twelve years. I mean, because he was so pissed off over the trainer and stuff. He had an acting career. He was in some. He was in a, was a in Disney soap movie and shit, right? Yeah, yeah. He was in a Disney movie, Gus the Kicking Mule, <laughs> that <laughs> I saw in like, the theater. That's kind of like this movie that was out when I was a kid. It was uh, I forget what it was called, but Tony Danza was a garbage man. <laughs> and Tony he, Danza's acting career in the mid-90s. He was a garbage man in Philadelphia, and it was pre-McNabb, so the Eagles were trash. Yeah. And post, he, yeah. He was a garbage man, and his thing was he kicked garbage into the truck, and he could kick garbage real good. So th- <laughs> one day the coach sees him kicking garbage and is like, hey, so come kid, down. You got it. So he, this field goal kicker played by Tony Danza, <laughs> takes them to the title. <laughs> yeah, the field. Was he like an Italian guy, like a working Joe Italian? or well, he's What Tony was his Danza. persona? What was his character? His persona is Tony Danza. <laughs> of course. I don't know if Tony, I, I, I'm fo- I feel foolish asking that question. You, the word range doesn't come to mind no. when you think of Tony Danza's acting skills. One of my favorite Tony Danza movies is you ever see She's Out of Control? 
Oh, where was he it? plays a radio DJ and his and it's about wow. his daughter getting hot. Yeah, she exactly. Like, she starts out as a nerd and then like he starts dating a girl and she, Danza starts dating a girl and they give the daughter a makeover and she starts getting hot and then yeah. the movie's about him like fucking misdirecting all the fucking boyfriends and shit. Coming at like and then at the <laughs> end of the movie, the little girl who's like the little sister in the movie, she gets hot. And it's like, like, oh, now it starts over. She's uh, out of control well, now. They Hello, had franchise. They had franchise in mind. Hello, they thought, Larry. <laughs> Hello, Larry. Portland is along. They were gonna have a sequel. I remember that. I remember that movie having like some a little bit of buzz, like in '93. I think There's that might have been he, like one of his like, this is gonna break Tony Danza. Wow, he was still trying to put his hat in the ring. I mean, I mean, I guess Taxi is his high water mark, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean he's just Tony Danza in that. He he's was also Tony in a movie in with uh, when I was a kid. He was in a movie with uh, with um, with what's his face, man, from Taxi, who uh, it, I can't think of his fucking name, Danny DeVito. Uh, it was called Go Bananas, where they had apes, they had actual apes, and then and Tony Danza and uh, <laughs> and and what's his face, man, and DeVito were like I think they it was called Go Bananas. Well, they were like housing apes like in an apartment, like legitimate monkeys, apes, like monkeys, like they had a monkey. It was like it was kind of like you know any, any which way but loose. You know, like any which way but loose had an orangutan as a character. I, I love any which way but loose. Any which way you can. Those are both good movies in my book. I like those movies. Eastwood doing comedy, you know, like working man's comedy. You know, a lot of redneck theaters had Eastwood movies, but it was fun. I liked it. But uh, but yeah, he had an orangutan. So they were going to try to get it. Was at the same time as that they were like, hey, we're not going to have one orangutan. We're gonna have two monkeys. A house full of orangutans. Yeah, yeah or, or you know, we're gonna have two of them. You know, so it was uh, building was, on that. They, they, there was a little orangutan phase when I was younger too. <laughs> Every era has that. You had Ed. Yeah, well, Ed was Matt, Matt LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc, by the way, I think he isn't Matt LeBlanc. Generation X is Tony Danza. Tony Danza is the boomer. Of That's Tony actually Danza. a good call. And then Matt LeBlanc That's is the Gen call. X. Tony Danza. Yeah, so who would be uh, who would be a millennial? Tony Danza. Who would be the Italian guy? Some dude from Jersey Shore or something that... from fucking The Sopranos. Oh, that guy. The dude who played Christopher from The Sopranos. Christopher. Oh no, well, he he was uh, Michael Imperioli. Yeah. No, he was he was a boomer man. Oh, he was a, a extra man. Let me he look was it in up. A, he was in uh what you call Goodfellas. He was spider. He gets shot and killed by Pesci's character. I'm googling young Italian actors. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Italians like that drama. They got a lot of drama, man. DiCaprio. But he's, he's not Tony Danza. I mean, it's you know, DiCaprio was born in 74, I think. He was only five years younger than me. I remember thinking he was, like, young. Ooh, 90s. Sophia Black. Pete Davidson is Italian. <laughs> he's not Danza, though. No. Yeah, who is, who's got Danza? Danza and Matt LeBlanc through. potential. You know? <laughs> we got to figure that out. See, there isn't no, no one like young, young, like in their mid-20s. Yeah, mid-20s, late-20s, maybe even in the early 30s. I had a couple of, you know, bigger roles, known from TV, had a couple of movie, you know, roles. A successful actor, you know, making a living and a decent living, but not like truly, you know, broke through. I don't know. It's maybe Tony Danza is one of a kind. Because I'm going through all the Italian American and when it's it's a, a lot of women. Yeah. And it can't be <laughs> Italian guy. 
the Italians, you know. Yeah, dude. Until Tony Danza comes up. That's like I feel like I'm going far enough to where it's just yeah. gonna, I'm going to hit Tony Danza. <laughs> Tony Danza Jr. But no, what about Tony Danza might be the greatest Italian American actor ever. <laughs> I mean De Niro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's De Niro then it's Tony Danza. <laughs> no, I, I think there's a few more after De Niro. Jimmy Durante is better than Tony Danza, you know? I mean uh <laughs> Brando, I think. There's just a few I mean I thought, you know <laughs> Tony Danza being like it, it was the weird like likable. His likability was played up, you know. Well, yeah, because he was Italian, so he'll hit you. How like But he was friendly cuz he always had that like who's the boss? He was the nanny. He was always like yeah. I feel like he's the Italian guy who like his family would call him a sissy. <laughs> Tony's never with women, so we don't know, <laughs> you know. We're not sure. Yeah, Italians do We're gay pretty sure. well. Italians do gay well. Versace is definitely like an alpha gay. You know, there's there's certain ethnic Didn't groups Kunanen that do gay well. Excuse me. Didn't Cunanan kill him? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that, that, I I binge watched that uh, that Netflix one. It was great, dude. I remember Andrew Cunanan. That was like yeah, I remember that too. Absolutely. One that, of my that. solid was that that was after OJ, right? Yeah, it was ninety seven. It was ninety seven. I, I was um, going into grad school. Now, I remember that being a, just kind of a crazy story, you know? How popular in the comedy scene were you during Cunanan? Oh, I, I, I did some Cunanan jokes. You were established. I made fun of his name, Cunanan. What was the, do you remember the joke? It was the idea that nobody could pronounce his name correctly. Each television station had a different pronunciation. And Cunanan. And Cunanan. I mean, they, they could not, like, Cunanan. I mean, they, they literally could not pronounce his Andrew name. It, it was literally four or five different versions of his last name. So the joke was... Uh, it was a weak joke. I think I ended up with no. Actually, I think it's Walla Walla Washington. That's his last name. <laughs> I think that was the series of three. It didn't make it into the long term act. Just to let you know, it was a, not a good joke. I've got some stinkers. I got some crankers. Oh yeah, some you know. crankers. You know, there's, there's do a few you in there. think you have if you piece together all of your good shit? Do you think you have an hour? Like oh if, yeah. If someone was like, you need to record an album. Yeah, but 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 I would have to like, you know. My attitude towards it now, and, and, and ah, it's weird. So much is, is your emotional state as and when you perform, I think. You know, and so, you, you know, I, I could do it, but I have to go back through my material. I keep saying I'm going to do this, but I've been writing a lot of my script and editing it now, so I haven't gotten to my act. I should actually get to it some. I went up this week and had a good set at a mic, and I was happy about that. So I went up at Lindsay Adams' room on Monday. Oh, there you go. You've and, been and totally, to I mean, and I had like a good, like it was like a good just well, that's boom a young all the way crew through. too, so it's good that they like that shit. Excuse me? It's a young crew too, so it's good that they yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I got a couple of big laughs in it. And so I was like, for three minutes, that's great. You know, and I, I just felt good. I just felt good performing. So, so I, I feel good for going for my show tomorrow. Yeah. But my point is, I want to go through my material and really kind of edit it. You know, I have, I've had my same 12 to 15 minutes for like three or four years now. Now, which is too long so uh but uh but, but you have to like um you know i mean i, I have enough that i, I want to go back and call through some of my old material and be like no this would still work you know what i mean like i know there's enough in there that's yeah. just funny you know so i could still do it um i, I want to go back oh this is good this is the asian wrestling or this no one. this was earlier in the night so that <laughs> so that lady who jay washington knows that black girl her name is Awesome Kong. <laughs> By the way, Jay Washington, I saw some of his clips when he comes he wrestles, out. He like wrestles, dude. I mean, it was fucking funny, man. Like, <laughs> like, I thought it was, I mean, well, you look at him, dude. He's like, a, he's a built dude, you know? 
is he is he is he, is he like an amateur wrestler? Amateur professional? Yeah, wrestler? he would do like indie stuff, like in some like high school run gym. Below this, like yeah, VFW Hall wrestling. But he was decent. Like I think it was like early on, he probably could have pursued it. And uh, made a living? Yeah, but he would have had CTE and shit. He'd yeah. be addicted to pills. They yeah. all have to fucking pay for their own health insurance. It's not a good fucking situation. Oh, yeah, of course not. They got to unionize. Well, know? that's the issue is it. there's no one company. It would be like it, it would be like comedians unionizing. I know. What th- That's also the, what, what the there's, level of... There's no infrastructure for it to happen. Is this for the com- fucking Undertaker? No, that guy, is. his name is Sean Spears. He's the chairman of the board. <laughs> Or the chairman because he fucking bashed Cody Rhodes over the head with a chair. So now that's like his gimmick. And when he clings that chair, his music starts. He's got a fucking mohawk, dude. He was the shit. In WWE, his name was Ty Dillinger. He was the perfect 10. And he would just flick his two hands in the air like the number 10. And the audience would shout 10. They did it when he first came into this company because it was all he was known as. But now they've like slowly transitioned him into like a completely different villain character he laid cody open it was like a like a plan by the way how is that creative process work you know what i mean it's like you got to talk to the manager like hey i got a few ideas what i want to tweak tweak with oh yeah i mean and and then then they'll come to you with stuff and be like this is what we have this is what we have planning for you and if you have does this make sense or or, or they say no you're gonna do this i mean wwe is more you're gonna do this yeah and that's why the wrestlers hate it over there no more garbage wrestling. That's a complete shot at WWE. <laughs> the fact that they have these leagues that dissolve. I, I, WWF was my first exposure. Then I remember W was it W O W or WCW? WCW. I remember that. You know, it's just you know who's is this the commissioner? The old no, man? that's Tully Blanchard. That's fucking an old school wrestler from like your time. AEW's been pulling a lot of legends to like make appearances. God, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure because they're desperate for money. These guys are. I mean, what's that old guy going to make you think on this for this pay per view thing? Just to make a few grand. Just say four grand. A few grand, yeah. But but I think it's beyond an appearance thing. He has a contract with the company, so he's getting a salary. He's probably making about a hundred thousand dollars. Where where are their corporate headquarters? Like where are they all? Jacksonville, Florida. Because they're owned by uh, they're owned by this dude named God. Tony. They're owned by this dude named Tony Khan. God, yeah, that, dad, that's an appropriate last his name. His dad owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and Fulham Football Club and Wembley Stadium. W- wasn't he? Didn't he have also have some roots to Chicago? I think he was a at one time was it K A H N like the yeah like, yeah 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 like a super the villain. East. Yeah yeah, he's like a wrath of Khan. No, but he's um. I think he also at one time made some money in the 80s and the 90s in malls in Chicago. Being a mall developer at one time, you made a shit ton of money. Not anymore. It's crazy how that's changed, man. I, thought, I just find that very interesting. Ooh, December 4th, they're going to be in Champaign, Illinois. We're not going to be there. The State Farm Center. That's where probably where the Illini play basketball. Isn't that yeah. interesting how it slowly transitioned? Like You asked me like where this basketball arena was. Yeah. And just because it's called like the State Farm fucking center now that like you didn't know it's where the Baltimore Bullets used to play. Yeah. Yeah. Which they used to just probably be called like the Flower Hut or something. Oh, it had just a name. Yeah. The Boston Garden, you know, or or you went. I mean, I I, I was at the era 
when I first started watching sports, is before naming rights happened and cor- that that corporatization. That's a real sort of to me a very blunt example of the corporatization. That's why I, I think Soldier Field. I actually respect the fact that they've kept it Soldier Field. You know, but obviously you see, I mean, Comiskey well, and Stadium. even the only way to do that now is to do like MetLife Stadium at Soldier Field. Yeah. Where like you have to because the even the Orioles do that. That's why they have like at Camden Yards, Baltimore Park at Camden Yards. Yeah, well, it, it, it's uh, it's totally different. It's to, I mean, they were saying it today uh, or this past week on Thursday Night Football was the Raiders and the Chargers. I watched maybe ten minutes of it, fifteen minutes, and they said, you know, after the Raiders leave, I think they're at, I think they're going to Vegas next year. Yep, I was in Vegas two weeks ago. Did you see and, the stadium when you were out there? Yeah, well, you fly you fly past it, you see it. It's big. It's and- a what a weird city. It's another conversation, but my point is, you can bring is, it up after. Absolutely. Um, it, Oakland is the last of the dual-purpose stadiums. They, they did a montage sequence of, like, Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, Three River Stadium in Pittsburgh. Uh, they didn't have Baltimore where the Orioles and, and Colts played. They also had, like, uh, um, just a bunch of the, of the dual-purpose stadiums that are all uh, Atlanta-Fulton County Stadium, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the vet, the vet in Philly, you know? Uh, they've all just it's gone the way of the dodo speaking bird of philly one of my favorite stadium names of all time is the spectrum oh the spectrum is a great i have a lot of memories of watching dr j and also the, the flyers i was a flyers fan growing up in the east coast because the flyers used to fight so i enjoy watching them yeah i told you the very first fight i ever saw in my entire life was at a flyers capitals game they also when had I was players 10. with perms but That's i mean like i, I mean like men men fighting in a crack scene grown men truly what like white late 70s toughs like ethnic white toughs. White late seventies <laughs> toughs. We're you know? talking about Italians again. Yeah, and, and the Irish Italian. I mean, it's like I mean, I remember it was a full on brawl. You know, I'd. I mean, it was like you know, people used to fight more. But I think people didn't. They're worried about guns now. People still brawl. But anyway, yeah. But that was uh, uh, the Spectrum was a great name for a stadium. I mean, it, absolutely. There was a lot so of good sporting memories con- there. The dude, I, I'm digging through yeah. stuff. He didn't have anything in malls. He did this thing called Flex and Gate in the early 90s. Let me see what it was. Well, yeah, what was that? I thought he did mall. But, I mean, I, I think he's worth, you know, what is he worth? Six billion, seven billion? Oh, something like that. Yeah, he owns Wembley Stadium full. Like he wants if you to, own Wembley Stadium, He wants that's to move the Jaguars to London. Um, You know something? They're talking about the Chargers going there. I watched a YouTube video about how it wouldn't travel-wise. It wouldn't make sense. It would cost the NFL all kinds of money in charter flights. Yeah. The teams would be flying constantly. Well, and then also, you'd have jet lag. Uh, you would have, I mean, well, th- that team, too. It's like they could fly to the East Coast. That's like flying from, from New York to, to L.A. or So Khan worked in automotive manufacturing company Flex and Gate Corporation while attending the University of Illinois. When he graduated, he was hired as the engineer director of the company. In 78, he started Bumper Works, which made bumper cars for customized pickup trucks, or which made car bumpers for customized pickup trucks and body shop repairs. That's the kind of shit that makes you money. Where, like, I make screws for fucking the headlamps in car. Like, making little shit like that that's necessary. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and a bumper. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, whatever. There's vehicles are being made all over the planet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that that bumper technology is going to be, can be can put into millions of units. So the transaction know? for Bumper Works involved the transaction of a $50,000 loan from the Small, Small Business Administration and 16000 of his savings. Uh, in 1980, he bought Flex and Gate from his former employee. Uh, 
bringing bumper works into his fold, Khan grew the company so that it supplied bumpers to the big three automakers. You mean to tell me, Keith, that he actually got money from the government? But isn't that socialism? Isn't that <laughs> socialism to do that? And he's it's not investing in anything or, uh, that might make a company in the future. No, no. It's not planting a seed. It's taking money and spending it unwisely. And he's an immigrant, so they're being anti-American. Well, exactly, by doing that, by working their ass off, you know, because that's not the message in this country at all. So by 87, it was the sole supplier for Toyota pickups, and by 89, it was the sole supplier for the entire Toyota line in the United States, adopting the Toyota way increased company efficiency and ability to change its manufacturing process within a few minutes. Since then, the company has grown from $17 million in sales to an estimated $2 billion in 2010. Wow. Well, when did it make that decision uh, uh, production-wise? Uh, late 80s, you said? 89, yeah. Wow. By 2011, Flex and Gate had 12,450 employees and, four, and 48 manufacturing plants in the United States and several countries. What other countries? China? Interesting. He's in China. That's interesting, man. I mean, no, no, it's just... Uh, in 2017, had a revenue of $7.5 billion and was ranked as the 49th largest private USA company. God, so it's not even in the Fortune 500, it's in the Fortune 50. In May 2012, Maybe. the Occupational Safety and Health Administration fined Flex and Gate 57000 for health violations at its Urbana plant. 57000 Yeah, that's Wow. That, 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 that's a lot. That means a lot to them. It's going to curb their behavior. I'm joking when I say that. $57,000 is <laughs> nothing. That, 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 is, that is you and I finding two pennies on the street. It means nothing. And then you see nothing. the correlation. When they started making $2 billion in 2010, he immediately bought 60% of the Jaguars. Wow. And then he, in 2013, he bought Fulham uh, for 100 for 200 million dollars. And then he 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 let his son buy this company wow. or start this company. Wow. Whoa, whoa, so whoa. this wrestling company has billions of dollars behind it. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's it, why it's a considered a competition a competition crow because it's, it's got some money behind it. Because they have the finance. It's the first time since Ted Turner that they actually can throw fucking big dick money on the table. Yeah, at least some. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, interesting. No, but yeah, it, it uh, interesting, interesting background. But yeah, if they were to play, if, they, if the Jaguars, because they don't draw shit in Jacksonville, that, that that's a market they the NFL go never somewhere. should have gone to. The NFL made a they bad should go to Oakland after the Raiders. Yeah, God, that's not gonna happen. Uh, Oakland's out there. I mean, it, Bay Area has, has a lot of money. City that needs a football team. I but, but, but London, L- London, we see London. Um, they could travel to the East Coast because it'd be like the East Coast and West Coast teams going to the East and West Coast. It would just be a six-hour flight. But, boy, traveling into the Midwest and then traveling to the West Coast from there, it's a 12-hour flight, man. That's a long flight. Six-hour flight's long, but uh, it's doable. You can do it in a day. And it'll, it'll fuck up a little bit, but not too bad. 12-hour flight, jet lag. And then you terrible. have, well, yeah, but it, and there were, the video I was watching was just the cost of, like, because they were saying the NFL already bleeds money. And has problem with chartering flights and shit like that. Yeah. And then you add, like, London to it. Because they already play a couple games in London. But they, you know, the fact is, London is a fucking massive city. It's a mass... And, and, you know, they've been playing NFL games there since the early 80s. You know, pretty cons- preseason games. And then they, they've been playing games there for a long time. They tried to do the World Football League. They tried to make the NFL League there, but it just didn't. NFL Europe. Remember? Yeah, NFL Europe. The Rhine you know, Fire. Absolutely. And then Amsterdam had a team. I think England had three teams. There was like eight teams, and it was a developmental league, and I think it had some success. Again, Kurt Warner led a team. He said actually being a quarterback there actually helped his development because he was able to just lead a team 
you know, you'd play in front of 15,000 people. But he had, you know, somewhat of a crowd, like a yeah. Charger game, I guess. But it was like, you know, he had to lead a team. So he, he simply got better and more mature, I think, as a result of that. So, that, you know, anyway. That new Rams stadium's coming in the next yeah, year. Yeah, that, that looks amazing. And then the Clippers are building a stadium on that site, too. Yeah, I, I just, you know, the thing with football stadiums and just sports stadiums in general, the priorities of this country are so disturbing and bad. I don't get why people just don't get fired up and say that money needs to go towards building schools. You know, it's like that's actually what has to happen. You got to put a physical investment. When I worked in Chicago for IFF, we were the Illinois Facilities Fund because nonprofits were running their operations out of the most rinky-dink, awful locations. They had to have a bit more capital and had to have like a space to actually run what they did. I mean, and we were able to, we were pretty successful on that and like investing in a lot of areas and having child care centers and federally qualified health centers, affordable housing, charter schools. It's like, you know, but investing in these stadiums, I, this is I, such a nerd argument that's just never going to win. I, I have to just put the white flag up. But Jesus, you think Philadelphia could use that money towards schooling? Right. But no, it's just like, no, we're going to have, we're going to put it into the Eagles. And, and they built four new stadiums there. Well, I think each of, team is its own. St- oh no, no! I think I think the Flyers and Sixers probably still well, share a stadium. Well, that's sometimes a voting against your own interest thing too, because sometimes yes. a lot of cities are like, "Fuck yeah, we'll pay for a new stadium." Yeah, and, uh, and politically, you're going to be eaten alive because the professional team leaves. The only and politicians, as evidenced by Trump's presidencies, are pussies. You know? The only city that kind of stood up and was like, "Fuck this shit," was Miami, with that new stadium with the Marlins, because that was like. You've done nothing. Like, yeah, you've won two World Series, yeah. but you shred the team after you do it. Like, both championships was clearly just yeah. you're increasing revenue to sell the team for a higher value. Like, it's fucking <laughs> asset stripping type yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. You're running like, like a pirate. And they're know? like, well, why the fuck should we even give? That's why what David Beckham did with his, they have a inter-Miami, it's going to be called. Uh, and they self-financed. They're not doing any sort of, like, tax shit. And what they're doing is their stadium is going to be a complex where it's going to be the soccer stadium that's going to be like 30,000 seats. Yeah. And then they're going to have other public park soccer stadiums around it. They're going to have picnic areas, basketball courts. Like it's going to be an entire public park. Like, like and, they're, and they're trying to make it almost like a soccer sort of compound in a way. Yeah. In a sense of like this you know, is to help our, the game. You oh, know? and you pick out youth. If, and in Miami, there's going to be people who play soccer, obviously. I mean, it's a totally diverse a lot of people from the Caribbean and shit, you know. Their I mean, logo is a flamingo. Excuse me. Their logo is a, a flamingo. A classic Miami sports team. They always like those weird high lie, you know, they, those weird mobbed up sports. Whitey Bulger gets involved. I mean, yeah. Miami. You talk about. I mean, that place is. Oh, I mean, dude, I was reading. A it com- is a pirate fucking. City. I was reading a That's comedy right, them being book. Being from Florida is not surprising. Go I ahead. I was reading a comedy book, and they were saying that Miami was Vegas before Vegas. That like before Las Vegas was a town, Miami was the fucking Copa swinging fucking place. You wanted to go down there and like you were having a good time, like you were letting loose. And it was all mm. mobbed up, all the fucking mobsters, fucking all the left eyes <clears throat> and fucking righties and lefties and fucking. Capone was down there in the twenties and shit. You know, he owned a compound down there, so it's like, I mean, there's always been Chicago and, and East Coast mob down. Dude, there. look at Tully Blanchard, Spike, and Joey Janela, dude. Fucking Sean Spears just fucking <laughs> pile drove. See, that's where I AEW, tell you what the pile AEW, driver. That's where AEW is different. WWE banned the pile driver because Stone Cold Steve Austin broke his neck. I was going to say that's a dangerous move, dude. The pile you driver. Trust your opponent. It's I all mean, about trust, baby boy. 
to make it look dramatic, you mean, and to make it look good too. You can't tense up and shit. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you just gotta trust that you gotta the dude's kinda, gonna do it right. Do it that the like right I'm gonna I'm gonna fall right and you're gonna drop me right. Yeah, and it's gonna just barely graze as opposed to like really driving in the crown of your head. That's why when you got a guy in the ring who's aggressive and a loose cannon, dude, they don't like doing fucking yeah. around with it. Yeah. Goldberg ended Bret Hart's career and before the match he because <sighs> Bill Goldberg was always a little they call it uh stiff working stiff or like he would accidentally really hit people and yeah shit. yeah exactly because he didn't know what the fuck he was doing because they pushed him too early because yeah. he looked good and he yeah got exactly because like, the physicality of it all yeah. was there wrestlers call it being green as goose shit <laughs> uh so he was green as goose shit and bret hart knew it and before this big match he goes bill just i'm gonna we're gonna make this look good like i got you but please don't hurt me and within 12 seconds, he super kicked him and really kicked him in the head and ended oh, his career. Wow. And, that, and that's a named wrestler. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. You know who Bret Hart is. Oh, I absolutely know Bret Hart. It's absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they still do some of the, uh, Got this dude named Kip Sabian. <laughs> He's wearing fucking like real fuck shades. He's got those sunglasses where they turn different colors. And that national socialist hairstyle that I fucking hate. Yeah. I hate the national socialist hairstyle. The what is it? Swoop Go- over to the left. G- goofy fucking, I don't know. And then and tight on the sides, like New Order. That was kind of, there was a bit of a look in that in the late 80s. New Order? New Order was like, that was a real, like, of, of my collegiate well, experience. Because it was, who's the remnants of that? It was fucking. Well, it, it was, uh, whatchamacallit. They got love. Joy Division. Love will tear us it was apart. Joy exactly. Committing suits. And they turned, but it became this very electronic. It was, oh, at its 100%. time, extremely cutting edge music. I'll be honest with you. New Order, I think New Order has actually aged relatively well. Do you think New Order's age well at all? Yeah, when in the early 2000s, there was this band called fucking, uh, what the fuck? But they covered fucking Blue Monday by yeah. New Order. Of course. I mean, they, they had some deep, I mean, uh, you know, uh, they had some they had some hits, man. Bizarre Love Triangle was like, that was a real jam of theirs, you know. They were fucking hot if you were into... <laughs> it, it, it was such, That was such a, a slice of my life. When I when I think of that music, uh, Keith, that was Orgy. a bit like what? Orgy was the band Orgy? that covered them. God. They were like this electronic metal band, and they were <laughs> British and shit. It's song called Blue Monday. There was a th- there was an invasion in the late eighties, early nineties of like like See, Manchester look, lit music. The arena well, it looks grand. People all bored on their phones. I hate yeah. these shots. Yeah. Like, cause the whole drive behind it is you want to see excited people. He's pumped. Of course, yeah. the guy with the ginger beard would be overly excited. <laughs> Look at that belt, dude. I want a belt. <laughs> that thing was probably three hundred dollars, dude. He came ready to spend. I mean, it's also like it is. I mean, this is this is all diabetics. These are all diabetics. I mean, this oh, hundred percent obese people. people I mean, Trump's going to go to a one of the. He's going to go to WrestleMania, right? He's got to get his base fired. Even up. if the peep, the person in the arena looks good, they're pro- probably dating a fat person. Oh yeah, because only a fat person would go or let their loved one go to this. <laughs> Come with me, babe. I'll buy you food. The, the, there's a certain like f- a fatness to it. There, there, there's a uh, there's a there's a ma- there's an obeseness to wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, agree. I was fat when I got into of it. Of course, I, I watched it for like. A co- I don't know. I just sort of, 
I watched like the fall of 88 because I was new to this dorm. And I thought it was funny. I got the humor of it. And I liked the shit talking. So did you watch it on TBS? Like old NWA? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. This is the fall of that 88. Was like, that was like the beginning Thursday of, night. That was the beginning of WCW. And, and like, and we would, and again, I remember what, I liked the honky tonk man. He was an Elvis impersonator. I thought he was funny. But 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 the the uh, the the managers like the slickster. I mean, Bobby Heenan, the, the greatest thing the that ever fucking lived. Stereotypes of it, Jimmy Hart, <laughs> the whole. But but I remember. A, well, I I just remember uh, liking the honky tonk man. That that's who the Ultimate Warrior beat actually to take the belt. Oh yeah, honky tonk had man. the fucking had the IC title for like two. Well, years. When did Warrior die? 2009 or some shit no later than that like i, mean, I thought it was only like three or four years ago yeah 14 or 15 Did, was he completely roided out is that was it all roid death or well what? it was the from being roided out i don't yeah. think he was currently but just yeah. dude that thins your fucking artery that thins your arteries, arteries out so much dude all those people die of heart attacks <sighs> it's hard to survive all that Man. that much Roy and use. he was a, and I'm sure he was doing blow and oh shit. dude I mean again I think about that thirty for thirty of Ric Flair and like in the you know late eighties he was a wrestler and he was fucking jacked you see him now he is shriveled down you know oh, and because he's beat the red. alcohol the alcoholism it, it blew me away and I got a high tolerance of like I know a lot of people who can put it away C J Sullivan can put it away oh, my dude. best friend from college to this day is one of the heaviest drinkers that I still know to this day. He can put it away. I used to be able to kind I've of put it CJ away. I've seen CJ where, like, I'm like, are you going to die tonight? Where he's, yeah. you, where, like, it's rare when you see people drunk enough to where, like, you your eyes aren't open. Yeah, he's... Like, you're, yeah. it looks like you're sleep standing right now. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 I mean, I just can't do that anymore. I used to be able... Like, I used to be able, when I really could drink a lot, like in the 20s in Wicker Park, dude... When I was in my 20s and the 90s in Wicker Park, and booze was so fucking cheap. When I look back on that... So, like, Crocious, these two wrestlers here are called the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. And they're Mexican. Yep. <laughs> and you know it because their their song, their intro song goes, Lucha Bros, Mexicans. <laughs> That's the only lyrics to it. But they're great. You're, this is going to be very entertaining for you. <laughs> and that guy's terrifying. His name is Pentagon Jr. <laughs> <laughs> not the, that hit. He's Pentagon Junior. I've had nightmares. Well, do you about not? See, I mean, again, what the only the only thing moderately redeeming of professional wrestling because I don't like it is there is a humor in it. How do you not see the humor? Like you know, people just totally want to dismiss it. I don't I see totally more than humor. They tell intricate stories. Oh, exactly. Some I, would say it's violent poetry. It's it honestly is like the wait, equivalent it's not, it's to not poetry like. It's the MMA version of a play or opera. It's <laughs> yeah. a fight circus. Like you're going, yeah. you're, you're seeing. Yeah. A f- and what's cool about it to me is everybody thinks like, oh, they practice all of this. It, they didn't. Everything comes on the fly. Yeah. The only thing the wrestlers know is how long they have and who's going to win. And in between that, it's all yeah. mostly improvised in the ring. Sometimes. Yeah, again, it's not fake. It's choreographed. Sometimes if they know they're doing a big spot, they'll go and like, okay, let's map this out a little bit. Yeah. Like if they're going to throw Do a little blocking and maybe do a little bit of a practice with yeah. that. Like, okay, we got to get this down. If you do this. And even and yeah. then they usually Work set Work a mat behind the scene. Is there a mat behind the game? They usually yeah. set up a ring in whatever hotel they're staying at. Oh, and they fu- do some moves. And, and they for 15 minutes. Let's do yeah. this for, yeah. And then day of the pay-per-view, they'll all run over spots. 
Yeah. But other than that, it's all just through whispering in each other's ears and knowing each okay. other's moves. Yeah. A wrestler, CM Punk, said when you get to this level, it's not it's not knowing what to do. It's knowing when to do it. Yeah. Like they're done teaching you moves. Like yeah. we're not teaching you how to do a suplex. You just got to know. knowing when, when to, to, to build the drama appropriately and, and shit. And knowing your, your opponent's moves. Like, okay, when he throws me into this turnbuckle, <laughs> he's about to do this move. And if I want to counter it, I have to do this. I mean, these guys are taking it dead serious. I mean, yeah, this is, a, you know, this, this is a match. <laughs> this is a good tag team. It's going to be it's oh their my title gosh. match. This crowd is terrifying. This crowd is terrifying. This is what it is, man. We talk oh, about and Brad these are Circus. hardcore wrestling fans. Like these are, oh yeah, like, WWE is geared towards children, and you usually see women and kids in the audience. These are all fucking fat man children, like yeah. middle age, like people my age who still love wrestling. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is a fucking demo. They fucking murder the eighteen to forty nine demographic. Oh, for I'm cable sure. TV. I'm sure. Which is one you want. That's eighteen what you, to yeah. forty nine males, dude. Yeah, <sighs> loving it. Yep. Probably so many Trump supporters watching. Oh, AEW. absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure it is. Yeah, man. Look at so, that guy. But but it was uh, again Jojo Rabbit. If you can see Jojo Rabbit, I, I recommend. Dude, that's it. almost a perfect bookend to the episode. You know, because I started it with Jojo said, Rabbit. That's why I brought it up, man. Because I'm telling you, it's uh, it's worth a watch. It, I, I just thought it was like the sensibility was so unique, but yet. <sighs> I, I was expecting it to be like more kind of ham-handed, and it was clownish. It sounds like the uh, Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, it's. But I'm telling you, there are there are authentically like emotional moments in it. When you watch it, we're like, oh my god, this is a fucking gut wrenching. Was scene. it better than Joker? Which I, you know, I didn't to me, see Joker. Win the best picture. I, I, I mean, Joker. I fucking I heard, loved it. I know dude. people said Joker's good. It's you know? fan fucking tastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I didn't Joaquin see it. Phoenix should win Best Actor. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. You know what I just saw the first five minutes of. The movie Parenthood with Steve Martin. I was going to say your mom. No, 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 no. P- Parenthood's first five minutes. Uh, and and Lee, he's Leaf Phoenix in that. It's it's Joaquin Phoenix. It's, it's, he's Leaf Phoenix. It's, he didn't t- change his name yet. And oh. he, he's a little kid who's, who discovered Wasn't porn. Wasn't fucking Robert Townsend in that? No, no, no. It, it was Steve Martin. I went on a date to that movie with Jamie Stout. God, I can't believe I remember that. Nine, I was, I was, I was, was 20 she years the old. shape of her last she, she name? Was, no, she was into me, but I didn't know how to handle it. I, I, I was tense around her. I was uh, inexperienced and uh, naive, and she liked me. I could have nailed her. You know, she was into me, um, but I was, you know, whatever. But I saw that movie. Uh, 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 Steve Martin's in it. Okay, Keanu Reeves is in it. Young Lee Phoenix. Diane Weist is in it. Jason Robards Love is in Diane it. Love Diane Weist. You know, uh, uh, Tim Hules, who played um, uh, Amadeus. He was still a hot actor at that time. He was also in uh, Animal House. He was in it. A- a- and there's... Uh, anyway, it-, it just reminded me what we were talking about with... Uh, with um, oh, what was the point of that? With Parenthood. And Lee Jamie Phoenix. And Lee Joker. Phoenix is in it with Joker. It was bizarre seeing him. It was like whole, he's a little kid, but he's at the little cleft, and he's a, he's like a twelve year old in it. You know, I mean, he's super young. Yeah, you know. Was River still alive? Yeah, River was still alive. I Do mean, River was the actor. Died? That, that, oh, oh, that that was a that's a gen. I mean, it's not as big as Cobain. I but remember. It's, but it, I, I remember where I was. I was living in Wicker Park at the time. It was a story. I remember absolutely. it briefly because I was young, dude. I yeah. was like six when that happened. Yep. Which is like memories, but like yeah, you're it's not in and out. Like I remember when Kurt Loder announced Kurt Cobain died. And I was into Nirvana. Yeah. But I think just because of trauma, I don't really remember it. Yeah. Usually you're, you should remember when you're six. 
but like I yeah. don't. Do you remember when you were six? But I'm sure you had a pretty traumatic childhood. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say I didn't start to truly remember things well until I was eight years old. 1977 was, that was the year my parents split up too. So that's funny that one of the only things you know about your early childhood is Walter Payton running for 275 yards. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's a big memory for me, you know? So it's that. What What are those early blip memories? That's what I call them, your blip radar memories. So, like, it's Payton running for 275. Like, if you had to name five crucial before you were 10, before you were eight-year-old memories. Well, I remember playing doctor with local girls. Okay, <laughs> that's fun. When I was like five and six, you know, which was great. You know, it was totally like, oh, I like girls. You know, you sort of, there's something you know. You know what I mean? Like, you just know, you know. Here's what we got to ask, Crocious. Yeah. Did these patients make appointments? Or were you just fucking... <laughs> it was just, it was, it was spur of the moment. Okay. You know, just sort of happened, you know. <laughs> With mutual seven-year-old girl, seven-year-old boy, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it was like natural. It was like it was like Blue Lagoon or something, you know. <laughs> but, my, but those are it's a flash memory. Um, my very earliest memory, I think I told you, was my brother trying to suffocate me. That, that, that's, my, that's my earliest memory as a human being on this planet. Is my brother, and, and, and I don't mean just trying it once. I mean doing it repeatedly, to like trying it, to murder you. Well, well, yeah, I think so. But hey, like, he was eight and I was three. Okay, but you know you're eight. You, you don't you lack impulse control. But you don't think he was playing? Uh, it got a. Uh, listen, have you I, ever asked him like, "Did you try and kill me twice?" It's, it's not a good subject to bring up with him, you know. So okay, I okay. Uh, so he probably was trying to murder. But but you know, I, I, he would cover my nose and my mouth, and I would I couldn't really try to suffocate me. And then he pulls hands off, and then he do it. He put his knees on my shoulders, physically overpowered me, and then put my his hand over my nose, hand over my mouth. Yeah, your brother's and, a sociopath. And, 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 and then and then and we did it and did it again, and then did it again, <laughs> and then did it another. I, I can remember doing it like five times, doing that five times. You know what's worse, getting suffocated or Walter Payton running for two seventy. Getting suffocated was pretty bad. That was more real. But I'll tell you this much: I have some real sports scars. I mean, I wept. I wept during that. I wept during the night. I was eleven years old. Was the last time I cried over a Viking game when I was eleven years old. Nineteen eighty, second to last game of the season. They were bad too. No, right? no, no. In eighty, it, it was the true end of Bud Grant. It was the true end of his era. All the all the great players had all retired. Tarkenton retired. They got rid of Alan Page. They didn't have Paul Krause. I mean, they had a new team, but they ended up uh, being poor earlier in the season. Got much better and made the playoffs that year. But they were playing the Browns in in the old Met Minnesota, and it was on TV on the East Coast, which you never got games on the East Coast Viking games. So I'm watching it, and the Vikings were getting handled. The, the Browns were a very good football team in 1980. Oh yeah, they had Brian up until. Before they up until they moved the first time, the Browns were a perennial a, a, playoff a decent, team. A, a decent team, a competitive yeah. team, you know. And they had a tradition. I mean, it's not this current version of the Browns. Belichick were, was going to turn. I mean, them they into had the Ozzie Newsome. Ozzie Newsome was a great tight end. Brian Sipe won the MVP that year. Reggie Rucker was a good player. They had Lyle Alcedo on defense. Clay Matthews, a senior. Uh, Clay Ernest Matthews was uh, Biner at running. No, no, back. no. They didn't have Ernest Biner. They had Mike Pruitt. They had a very good team. The Cardiac Kids. They were those dis- were the orange pants. Yes, yes. And the brown, like I mean, those are Sam Ritigliano coached them. They were a good team because they had to get good because they had to play the Steelers. And the Steelers beat them constantly. The Steelers Weren't dominated the Jets them. Jets okay? In the- uh, they were kind of mediocre. Richard Todd was their quarterback from Alabama. They were trying to get like the Joe Namath thing because they got another Alabama quarterback. He wasn't good enough though. He couldn't follow him. 
Uh, but but the point is, um, uh, that game Cleveland got out ahead like twenty-one to nothing, and I was just apoplectic. I was just I was <laughs> weeping like they're not going to make the playoffs. It's I got to play because yeah because the, the Vikings were eight and six and they had to win one of their last two games to win the, the NFC Central was terrible then. Packers sucked, Bears sucked, Lions sucked. The Buccaneers were in the division; they sucked. Vikings go nine and seven. They win nine games. They're going to go to the playoffs. And they started t- terrible that year, but they came back and won like five or six games. And it was like they're going to make the playoffs, but and, and they should win the game. They're at home in the fourth quarter. They scored. They scored like twenty eight points, and they won on a hail mary pass to Ahmad Rashad with five seconds left. And they had two plays. They passed. A, they had a screen pass to Ted Brown that he gained like thirty yards. Oh, it was a hook and ladder. They threw it to Joe Sensor, the tight end, and then he hooked it over to Ted Brown, who ran for thirty or forty yards. Then the next play, they threw a bomb to Ahmad Rashad, and he caught it. And, and and they made it to the play, and they beat the Browns, who were a totally good team, twenty-eight to twenty-three. That was a fucking big game. Kramer threw four touchdown passes. That that was the era of like the drunk quarterback. You could be a drunk and a quarterback. Yeah, Wade back Phillips. Then. Well, I mean, yeah, Wade Phillips is dead. He no fucking shit, died, man. I was with man. you when he died. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, he, Wade, Wade, well, Wade Wilson, not Wade Phillips. Wade Wilson. Wade Wilson. Wade, Wade Phillips is a coach. Wade, uh, Wade Wilson died. But yeah, Whiskey Wade, Tequila Tommy. But anyway, you should go see Jojo Rabbit. I'm running on a steam. All right. And then yep. uh, Midway, too. We should go see Midway. Oh, you, is that? You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see The Irishman, I think. Well, that's on, something on I want to watch next week, too, uh, for the podcast, is there's a shitty... Because inevitably, when a big movie like this comes yeah. out, yeah, before like the Roland Emmerich Midway came out, someone yeah. made a shittier Midway well, movie. Well, I remember seeing the Midway movie in the 1976. That that, that movie starred Henry it's like Fonda. It's eight VHS tapes. Yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, it's uh, uh, you know, star Henry Fonda played uh, Nimitz, uh, or, or he was Chester Nimitz, the overall admiral. Hal Holbrook's in it. Charlton Heston's in that movie. Rex Harrison is in that movie. Uh, it had a. Uh, uh, who else? Oh, oh, uh, who else was in it? Big, big names. And I saw that in the theater in 1976. Midway was it? Robert Wagner was in that movie. Yeah. You know, I mean, it had some names in that movie. Dabney Coleman was in that movie. I mean, it had names. Midway was like a, like a star Man, studded they really cast. They did only cast white men back then. Huh? Well, and, and then the Asian, Asian, it was great. What, what was good about that movie and actually made it interesting, which I actually respected about it, even though it's an old movie and looks ridiculous now. And it's, it's very ham handed. Yeah, um, they they go into like the Japanese side of it. They actually show like the Japanese like armada that was going to make the attack, you know, and just sort of their mindset. And they actually do a lot of like, I mean, there are long winded sequences, 25 to 30 minutes of the movie. It's just the Japanese side, which I think, I don't know, in 1976. And, and they were just talking from a very military point of view. So it made it an, an interesting story because, you see, it was very much like it, it had Midway had, had the U.S. lost that battle. They had no ships. I mean, they could have invaded California. Like, it's a real thing. Like, the Navy basically saved the state of California. It's the reason why I'm sure San Diego has made a naval base. I'm like, yeah. listen, we got to have a major naval presence here because we almost got taken down, you know? And Midway was like, the, the, the outcome was in doubt. It was basically them trying to do a second Pearl Harbor. But it was like they, they, they got outwitted by the uh, intelligence of the Americans, actually. That seems like a movie that had, like, good intentions behind it, but just... No fucking way to make it technologically at the time. Oh, yeah. Although I remember, you know, 
to me it worked. I got I was really into like did World they, War did Two. They, like splice together actual dog fighting footage and shit. Well, yeah, they yeah from like actual like you know you see it. And then it's just Robert Redford in a fucking clearly no, it's Robert Wagner, not Robert Redford, but he's in a plane where it's like you see like there's obviously a smoke machine or a fog machine. Or as I'm sure his friends used to call him, not Robert Redford. Robert Wagner was a star in his own right too. Redford though was a he was the Brad Pitt of his era. You know, it's fucking huge. Yeah, man. You know, very well, much. Are you petered out? Yeah, I am. But it was fun, dude. It was, yeah. good, it was a good talk. It was a good one. All you right. Know? Uh, thanks for listening, yep. guys. Follow us on social media. We love all of you. Good night. Good night. <laughs>